Hi, I'm Luke Eisler. And I'm Jay Cox. Welcome to this week's episode of the Audibility Podcast. If you want to get connected with us, go ahead and follow our Instagram at Audibility Podcast and visit our brand new website, audibilitypodcast.com. We want to embody the environment of the coffee shop and create a virtual third space where passionate people can engage in community and be united in listening. Hi, welcome back to the Audibility Podcast. This week, Jay and I wanted to sit down and wrap up our series on the image of God. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked in the first episode with Dr. Chrysler sort of about what the image of God is. We defined that and started to talk about what that means for us. Really good stuff. And we talked about the fall of man, and that introduced the next two episodes. Episode mm-hmm. two of the series was with Dr. Wyma. Yep. And she talked to us about mental health and kind of mental suffering and, and anxiety and depression, and with that, also physical suffering. That led us into our conversation with Dr. Renberg, where we talked about the oppression of the image of God throughout history and sort of what that has looked like in the church and how the church has combated that and uh, contributed to it. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to kind of wrap up this week, and we talked with... My dad, Trevor Jay, Cox. Jay's dad, Trevor Cox. Yeah, and we really talked about the restoration of the image of God, and that's the image of God. And that's where um, really we've been moving towards this whole time. Um, And really in this episode, we kind of talk about, it's really kind of where the image of God meets the road. Yeah. um, Rubber meets the road. And and I I think this episode is really kind of clarifying. We talked with Dr. Chrysler about philosophical versus Christological image of God. Mm. Um, But this is like a more of like a, I, a theoretical image yeah. of God versus a practical image of God in a lot of ways. Um, so we talk about um, narrative, the image of God in narrative in the Bible and specifically in the Gospels and how we see that with Christ and his life. Um, and even how the upside down, we see this upside down kingdom with Christ and his life and his death, burial, and resurrection. And his teachings. Yeah. And he teaches us how to live in the upside down kingdom and um, facilitate the upside down kingdom to earth. And then we kind of conclude in talking about how one day we will return to the garden as you were in, in Genesis. We'll return from our exile and we'll take up our seat at the mm-hmm. right hand of God and, and rule with him. But in, in a different way, we already have returned to the garden. There's this sort of weird misconception that like right now, the kingdom of God isn't coming or hasn't mm-hmm. come and it is coming, but it has also come and yeah. it's, it's here with us. It's our responsibility through Christ in us to bring the kingdom of God to earth mm. and to let that permeate our communities. Yeah. 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 So it's a really good episode. Um, so, uh, grab yourself the warmsy from the fall menu at do South coffee roasters in Greenville, South Carolina. Warm. Um, with yeah. Warmsy, um, with bourbon, uh, caramel, pecan, 
espresso and milk. Yeah. This is uh, Malcolm's favorite. He does enjoy the warmsy. To take it that as you will. Uh-huh. Um, it's the milk that gets him. Yep. It's definitely the milk. Um, so let's hop in. Hey, Jay. <laughs> Welcome to the Audibility Podcast. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm quite well. Jesus is a living well. <laughs> good, good, good job. Yes. Good, good. I, I can't take credit for that. Caroline said that earlier yeah, she today. Did. She did. Um, I, I would be like, who would we have on the podcast? But it would be kind of weird for you to say it. Cause it's like when we... I had you introduce Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I have my, we have our dad, my dad. Our, our dad. Our we dad. have our dad on. Trevor Cox. I am your, both of your dads. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> while, while Luke is in South Carolina, I'm his. South Carolina dad. South Carolina dad. <laughs> South Carolina That's dad. Right. Yes. But I'm Jay's all the time dad. Yes. 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 You, well, he did live with us for about a month. He I did. did. It yeah. was, it was, was great. A, it was a fun time. Yeah, we played rock, paper, scissors every day mm-hmm. as a family. Wow. <laughs> we wow. had a tournament every day. <laughs> so like an hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, so we are finishing up our Image of God series. We're going to be talking about the restoration of the image of God, mm. which is going to be fun. But what first, does that mean? I don't know. We're oh, going to talk about it. Wow. Um, but Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh First, uh, Father, tell us what you do um, as a, a profession. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, my title um, at New Spring Church is Spiritual Formation Content Director, and I've been doing that for a while. It basically means that I help shape and uh, articulate our content and our theology and that sort of thing. So been doing that for a while, but really been part of New Spring Church since 2001. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, back in, in some in some sort of capacity. Yeah, back when it was actually uh, at Anderson University. Yeah, that's really how we how we got involved. Is um, you know we were a part of a, a another church, but we were kind of you know thinking about a change and that kind of thing. And I started attending a Bible study that was meeting on the campus of Anderson College back then. Mm. And um, you know I had gone to Anderson College. Um, and got a music degree way back in the day. And um, I knew some things that were happening on the campus, some exciting things. And so I became part of this Bible study. And then that ended up turning into to what is now New Spring Church. Nice. And uh, yeah, we I came on board staff in 2003 and mostly in some areas of discipleship. I did some I, I did some piano playing back in those days. Tickle and ivory. Yes, the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And, I, hate, uh, I hated that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. Uh, but yeah, a so, big dead elephant moment. Yeah, so we've been a part of the church for um, a long time now in some sort of area of discipleship or something like that. So hmm. yeah, yeah, cool. That's lovely. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so Luke, tell us a little bit about what we're wanting to kind of do with this episode. Yeah, so kind of similarly to how the distortion episode with Dr. Wyma mm-hmm. and then the oppression episode we did with Dr. Renberg kind of paired very nicely with each other, um, this episode is going to pair nicely with the first episode, um, 
that we recorded kind of talking about what the image of God is and mm. what that means for us. And we're going to kind of continue the second half of that conversation mm-hmm. um, in light of everything we just talked about with Dr. Chrysler, Dr. Weimar, mm-hmm. and Dr. Renberg around the distortion of the image of God, mental health, the oppression of the image of God, and kind of like, really, we talked about women's place in the church and how mm-hmm. that has kind of been used for good and used for bad. And yeah, that was a good episode. It was mm-hmm. a solid, solid yeah. one. Yeah, we're going to talk through that. And yeah, that's what we're going to do today. And that's what we just kind of did for the past three weeks. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So um, if you haven't been tracking with us, go back and get tracking. Um, yeah. Previously, you like it wasn't super necessary that you listened to the other it's episodes. It's going to be pretty important because mm. we're really just kind of talking, uh, recapping, and yeah. really finishing. So yeah. go mm. listen to those three. Um, but we've essentially been walking through um, the first episode. We talked about Genesis 1 and some of 2. Mm. Um, and then we really... Yeah, I listened to that with Dr. Chrysler, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing. Love yeah. to hear that. I listened to all of them and really yeah. loved all of them. But Chrysler enjoyed said. enjoyed the, the kickoff to the series. It was mm-hmm. yeah. insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he talked about the philosophical versus the Christological, which will be a lot of what we're talking about today with the image of God. Um, And then we're going to step into, we stepped into Genesis 3 and talking about the outworking of that. Um, And today we're going to hop in a little bit to the New Testament, and it'll Mm, be a good time. first question that we just kind of want to talk about is how is Christ the the perfect image of God? Because mm. this is something that um, Chrysler talked about in the first episode, this philosophical versus the Christological image of God and how as Christians we have to look at the image of God as Christ. But we didn't really go into what exactly that looks like. Yeah. Mm. So kind of what, what are your thoughts on that, Father? Mm. Yeah, um, in such an important question, how is Christ, the image of God. I, when I think about um, that particular question, I think about Colossians 1. Mm. Um, in Colossians 1, it says that Jesus is the, the image of the invisible God, the mm. firstborn over all creation, for by him all things are made in heaven and earth and, this, and so forth. Mm. And just the idea that in Christ what we have is um, Jesus being God, you know, and he's mm-hmm. also he's also uh, he's also man. So he's coming 100% God. He, you know, he's coming in his divine nature, 100% man in his human nature, and so we see in him a perfect representation of not only who God is, but also of who we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only a per- perfect rep- representation of of who we should be, but also. Uh, he gives us the means by which to become mm. yeah. um, what we need to be. And, um, you know, when I think about this idea of, of Christ and, and the idea that he is the perfect image of God, it, it does zoom me a little bit back to to the Genesis account and, and putting in contrast to understand who Christ is, who Adam was, and mm. who he couldn't possibly, mm. you know, he, he couldn't possibly be all that he needed to be. 
but you know Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit through who he is in his natures um, you know he he is the exact representation of, of mm. God Hebrews talks about him being this exact imprint or this exact representation of God yeah and I, I like to, to think about it in the terms of you know if, if Jesus coughs it's God coughing you know it's <laughs> like you know you're looking at when you look at Jesus you're seeing an embodiment of who God is yeah mm. yep yeah and I think isn't it it's in Romans Romans 4 Five, where it talks about Adam and Christ, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus is the the better Adam. Like he pretty pretty explicitly says that. In. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, if you 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 kind of come against those two, I, that that idea of of Jesus being a better Adam. What Adam was meant to do was to follow um, follow the Lord completely mm-hmm. and totally. He's given very simple instructions to follow, but he can't do that, right? He he he's tempted by um, you know, by Satan, by sin, he falls into that to that trap. And when Christ comes onto the scene, the same sort of thing happens, right? He's tempted. He's he's tempted by sin. He's tempted by Satan. But he's able through through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his um, through who he is, to be able to to overcome and 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 mm. not fall into the same temptation. So in in the kind of the outworking of the New Testament, we see in him a model for what it means to be able to live, you know, mm-hmm. live for God. Um, I like to, to, to uh, you know, challenge people. They talk about this idea of being saved by works, you know, and it's very, very clear. Um, you know, you, are you saved by works? No, 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 I'm not saved by works. But we really are saved by Jesus's works, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He is able to follow all of the commands of, of God, he's able to follow, follow them perfectly. And so when we place our life in Jesus's hands, we're then able to follow, follow mm-hmm. God. So, yeah. Does that make sense? What yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so cool and something God didn't really think about for a long time, but it, it's interesting that we have a narrative of Christ and like we have to kind of extrapolate mm-hmm. what that means and we we see in the story of Jesus um like in his baptism like we kind of are like we that's essential right. because we Jesus did it right. and mm. well what you're seeing in the narrative of Jesus it, it really does zoom back to the Genesis account with Adam right which is to say everything that God has done in creating the universe and creating mankind and creating mm-hmm. It's kind of this upside down idea, isn't it? That yeah. that God, who is sovereign and, and in control and all powerful, would delegate authority and delegate his essentially delegate his sovereignty and his dominion yeah. to to Adam, and um, that really, to me, is what the the image of of God is all about: is this idea of delegated yeah. authority and that sort of thing. And so, mm-hmm. you you look into the to the Genesis account and you see, I mean, you know. The, the arc of what is happening is that every time you have a person after the fall who's rising up to to dominate to to lead with you know some sort of iron fist or whatever mm-hmm. you see that not working out so well but it's the li- you know it's yeah. the line of folks That's who are nicely. <laughs> right you're seeing the the line of folks who are s- submitting to God yeah that they're operating in the authority and power of God uh, you, you're seeing, you know, really this line of life that, mm-hmm. that proceeds from the Old Testament into the New Testament. So obviously they were flawed, they messed up, all that sort of thing. 
but it carries over into the New Testament in that you see Jesus coming onto the scene and all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is coming and he's making these crazy claims, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about who he is and, you know, just the things that he's seen, but he's also pairing that with this humble service to people. Mm-hmm. And you see it in the narrative of his life. You know, he's he's born, uh, he's not born as a king would be born in a palace, but he's born in this lowly place from a very modest family. Mm-hmm. Um, shepherds attend his, you know, his birth. So you see kind of an upside, upside down way of being presented to the world. And then at his baptism, you're also seeing this upside down way of, mm-hmm. you know, him submitting himself to this process of baptism and, and so forth. Yeah. And I, that's what I was going to say, the baptism thing. Yeah. Great. Good job. Yeah. Good. Whatever. Well, I, you know, the, the whole thing, the whole narrative arc of his life is, is really the, the upside down life mm-hmm. of what it means to, to walk, you know, the life that God wants us to live, whether yeah. it's his baptism or it's his teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. It's blessed are they who mourn, blessed are those who, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not blessed are the people who make all the money, blessed are the people who are happy all the time. That's exactly right. It's almost like he's offering a, a way of looking at the world that's completely backwards of what mm-hmm. we define as success. And and even like just in ha- the miracles he does, it, it would be one thing if he just taught and then was like, hey, this is cool. But you see this kind of he has women that are his disciples mm-hmm. and he has he he's he, touching the lepers mm-hmm. and they're being healed by him and like even before he heals them he just like goes out and even though they're unclean and he's making things clean instead Mm. of the reverse Mm. um and it's just completely just reverse of what was happening before yeah yeah i think we talked about like we spent the past two weeks talking about um, the weary and people struggling with anxiety and depression. And then uh, the next week we talked with Dr. Renberg about, um, or we even talked with Dr. Rama about um, physical, mm-hmm. like, physical suffering. suffering. Mm. Um, and with Dr. Renberg, we talked about sort of like people entrapping other people and just like mm-hmm. having a hold over them. And like Jesus, basically what he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount is like, blessed are those people. Mm. Um, instead of like people who you would think would be blessed like and they are like people with wealth and who use it to further the kingdom of god and like steward their money well like of course they're blessed but mm-hmm. oftentimes like those other people who need to hear that they're blessed get swept under the rug and i think that's right. exactly what jesus came to do is is i mean he came to be a friend to the weary and mm-hmm. rescue the oppressed well, and he's, he's certainly talking about the way he's orienting himself to the to the world and to people mm-hmm, yeah. to people in the world, right? And the way that we should orient ourselves to people in the world. And like you say, it's no, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with power and you know um, being in a, a position of influence and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um, it's Jesus coming and saying, you know what, the kingdom of God is the like dynamics this. of the kingdom of God are like this. This is what gets celebrated in heaven. Yeah. Right. These are the kinds of people that are that are exalted while others are, you know, not. So, yeah, people's achievements are not in heaven. Their achievements in positions of power are not going to be celebrated. It's going to be little things like getting up in the morning when you really don't want to mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. getting through a hard week. I, I think of a, an example uh, now that you say that of 
in, in you know in our church, many times we've we've you know taken a path where we've celebrated the person who has the dynamic speaking ability mm-hmm. or the the dynamic leadership gift, and those things have their place. But um, every every week, this you know ninety five year old woman has come to our church, and she comes so faithfully. Mm-hmm. She walks in, she sits, she you know sings the the songs, mm-hmm. she gives faithfully, she. You know, she invests faithfully in, into the life of our church, and she walks, you know, she goes back home, and uh, wow. nobody really knows this woman, mm-hmm. you know, except for the people that that interact with her. Mm-hmm. And that kind of faithfulness is, I think, what the Sermon on the Mount is getting at, this idea of upside down. Yeah, the the dynamic speaker and the leader, they get the, the notoriety, and that they get all, you know, the, the visibility. But there is something about God's heart for this upside down mm-hmm. kind of a deal because it's his heart, right? And mm-hmm. you see it in the way that he's created the world that if he is if, if he is a perfect God, he would create a world in which it was looking after the yeah. these kind and, of folks. And then you see like in the ultimate upside down is this his death and the, the even the week leading up to it is mm. completely upside down to it's putting you in mind of a king but mm-hmm. it's absolutely just reverse like his anointing by her land is she named is yeah, it mary I, I think so yeah okay yeah there's it, it definitely the the week leading up you have him in the uh, um the house of, of mm-hmm. mary martha and, and that happening and there's a whole separate uh, anointing of Jesus' feet that seems to happen earlier in yeah. the in the story. So sometimes those stories get get conflated. But at any rate, it's definitely a story where he's being anointed for his burial, and he tells everybody to to you know leave this woman alone, let her do this, and it's going to be you know it's pleasing to him and that sort of thing. But it's this strange kind of thing where he's being anointed for burial. But it's giving you the echo of what it would be to be anointed as king, maybe even in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And then, go ahead, Luke. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, even how he arrives to the city, like he's on the back of a of a donkey, mm. and sure he's being praised, but like he's riding on a donkey, right? <laughs> and then um, <laughs> he has a feast before the night or before the day of his coronation, which is his yeah, death, right? Um, but it's so, just some boys hanging out in yeah. somebody's attic, yeah. essentially. Right. Yeah. So, like what you said about like it gives you this picture of a king, but it's like mirrored in that it's like we can see now that it's a, a picture of a king, but it didn't look, didn't like, look that. like that, and yeah. it has parallels to that, which mm. I think is is really cool. Right. Well, you know, more specifically, the crown of thorns, the yeah, the, the idea of the robe, him being lifted up, and you know, in a normal kind of context that would be the exaltation mm. of a king mm-hmm. but here we're seeing the humiliation of of the king of the universe of Jesus um, and so you just see this kind of I don't know if you'd say backwards or upside down or whatever yeah. but there is something there about the way God has created things to work and operate through the life of Christ you're seeing that play out in his life his death and is is even his resurrection, then is the pledge moving forward mm-hmm. of a new kingdom that's gonna that's gonna come to set everything right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like 
the coolest part of all of this is he invites us not only to be citizens of that kingdom, but to rule in that kingdom with him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the, it goes back to that that delegated authority. Like, it's upside down because God doesn't need to delegate, like, at mm-hmm. all. There's no reason right. for him to. But I- instead, he, through Christ, we have this delegated authority mm. um, that allows us to live in this upside down kingdom and like be rulers in it right right and and you know practically speaking how that plays out i, I think about um prayer as a, mm. a, a great example of this mm. how is it that you pray in jesus name for something what does that mean yeah well it means that in the authority that you've been given as a son or daughter of god that you ask for things mm. you know um, as you would if you were son or daughter of of you know a king and I just, you know, there's so many practical implications and, and outworkings of this as you think about um, just what it means to, to, to walk in, the, in this life of Christ. I, one of the, the things I think about, I, I've used this as kind of a silly illustration, but I've used it before to kind of explain this concept is if two people walk into a room and uh, one declares that he's the leader of the room and the other person that walks into the room begins to serve and begins to to you know really help people in the room you know you wait a couple of weeks and then you poll the room and say who's actually leading it's intuitive that the person who served is the leader in the room yeah but then why is it that we have such a difficult time with that that model of living Mm -hmm. because we're always looking to advance ourselves it's always you know this idea of putting ourselves first and and I think you know it really speaks to our our Everybody, not just you know our need in this room, but everybody's need to have Christ in us, and that's the power of of the gospel, isn't it? Is that uh, it's not just that Christ has come to modify our behavior so that we act more like the other guy in the room and yeah. serve. It's that the image of Christ, as we receive Christ, is in us now, and we uh, are being you know transformed from one stage to the next into the image of Christ, yeah. so that that we really um, can live and have the ability to live as image bearers because of this great transaction that's taking taking place in our, our, our life. Yeah, I think that kind of puts me in mind that the two guys in the room, we talked about this a little bit with Rimberg about um, if you remove Christ from the equation and just try and establish this authoritarian, this, uh, this kingdom, um, it, it ends up becoming Babylon like you essentially saying I'm the leader I'm the one who's uh, going about and um, trying to show that I'm the leader you you're establishing Babylon essentially that's exactly yeah right. um, that's exactly right and it becomes this like the humble servant is the actual kingdom because you mm. realize I'm under the reign of a of a of a different king. Mm. I, don't, I don't have to rule for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of times, like it, I find myself like before serving for the sake of being recognized, like serving somebody well for the sake of being recognized as the leader in the room. Do you mm. know what I mean? And oh, I yeah. think <clears throat> it's just important to remember that if you like in this analogy, if you ask the the humble servant who is the leader, he would probably tell you, oh, well, so-and-so knows how to control the room and he is very, like, deliberate and, like, it's him. He Like, he's the leader. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that 
you're bringing up a, fair, a really good point, a fair point, which is to say, as we're progressing in our likeness of Christ, in the image of Christ, we still have room to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our motivations, even even our great motivations, I think Tim Keller is the one that says this so so eloquently. Oh, he, yes. he talks about the idea that all of our motivations, even our good motivations, are flavored yeah. with with mm-hmm. our flesh, and so we have to you know watch and be careful. I think like as Jay and I were thinking about writing this episode, we came up with the question: What does it look like to be conformed to the image of Christ? Mm-hmm. And that is like comes with serving and you know being humble. And I think a verse that really like captures this well and like actually outlines what it looks like to be a servant of Christ and conform to his image <clears throat> is um, Colossians 3, 12 mm. uh, through 15, mm. uh, which says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, mm. bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other mm. as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Mm. And I think, like, I've been thinking about that verse a lot mm. and, like, just how I project that. And, like, I can go down the list every day and check, like, oh, did that today, did that today, did that mm. today. And then I always get to one. And it's like, mm. just can't do it. And it's it really comes down to, like, even when I go down and check everything, that's not on my own accord. That's through Christ. Mm. Um, but it just goes to show like how fallen we are and not to say Christ can't fully sanctify us, but we are often so resistant to it. Mm. We are. One thing to think about with that, it, that the verse that you quoted there reminds me of the Ephesians 4 is kind of a parallel yeah. verse of putting on the, you know, putting on the new self mm-hmm. and putting off the old self and that sort of thing. And one thing that's helped me just very practically with that process is to to realize the difference between what it means to, you know, um, to to receive and believe Christ, and there's this moment where you are now the image of Christ, yeah. but that you are, you and I are uh, forever becoming who in an instant we were declared to be, mm. right? Mm. And so we are putting on every day and becoming more and more like Christ. To what end? It's not necessarily to be accepted by Christ, right? Because we are accepted by Christ in yeah. that instant, but it's for intimacy exactly. that we are that we are growing in our daily walk with Christ and being conformed with Him. Uh, and the more and more that we conform into the image of Christ, the closer and closer, the more we get to know God, the more we share in that fellowship with God. Because if you think about <clears throat> The, the kind of the, the end result of the whole thing, mm. right? The end result, in, and you read this in Revelation 22, you read it in other places, but the end result is that God, just like in the Genesis account, is coming to make his dwelling place with mankind. The end result is this fellowship with God. It is withness with God, mm. right? And, and this, this idea of intimacy with God and fellowship with God is, is just absolutely central to the message because we're talk, we talk about the cross and, and how important the cross is, obviously, but the cross and what the cross is doing is giving us a way to be in fellowship with, mm, with God, yeah. if that makes sense, and to experience a life of knowing, knowing mm. God. So 
Um, anytime I'm thinking about this whole arc of the of the Bible, I'm thinking about the idea that the big arc is 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 God dwelling with us and no, you know, in fellowship, us dwelling with Him in fellowship, um, and the idea of of this this perfect unity and fellowship that He wants for us, and it's kind of typified in the new kingdom, right? Yeah, mm. and like that unity and fellowship is with Christ, but also when it's with others, it's through Christ, and it is a picture of like what Christ is doing in us and in those around us, like mm. in the church. Mm. So yeah, that's so so good, and reminds me of communion, doesn't it? Yeah. You, it's like you're you're sitting there taking communion, and you're being reminded of what Christ has done to get you there, uh-huh. and you have this vertical orientation to God. It's like God, thank you for what you've done through Christ and sa- saving and redeeming your people and all that kind of thing, and then you look next to you. And they're brothers and sisters that are mm. taking this in unity with yeah. you, common unity, community. And and that whole idea of the vertical helping to inform the horizontal is exactly what we need in our, our world today, right? Mm. Yeah. It's like it, you know, the for the person who's saying, Well, it's all about the vertical and it's all about the heart to God and internal. Yeah, absolutely. But then Scripture tells us that if we're if we don't have the the horizontal, then it shows that we never had the vertical, yeah. right? Or yeah. we didn't have the correct picture of the vertical, and that's that's the message that our world def- desperately needs. You're talking about in previous episodes a distorted image and an, a, an oppressed uh, group of people here, and this kind of thing. We've got to have people who are transformed by the gospel, and then when you have that that orientation to to God, the image of God. Um, then you're able to go and and make mm. make changes and you know see see your world shifted. Yeah. So. I think that pointing back to Chrysler's um, episode a little bit, um, we can't just leave this in the philosophical or mm. just the abstract, theoretical. The yeah. theoretical. This is something that has to be deeply practical and Christological, and things that apply to us. And I think we've talked about that some, but mm. um, I think how do how do we walk in the restoration of the image in just life, mm. and especially as someone who's been in ministry for several many years now um seeing this walking walking out in a pastoral way and how you guide people in that Mm. um yeah yeah that's great well i think the the first thing that pops in my mind is that this can't be about behavior modification Mm. you know it's not about trying harder it's about surrendering more right yeah and uh, that's the thing that we say a lot at at church and and you know I really really believe that um, you know I think pastorally there's so many places that this plays out mm-hmm. it plays out in the conversation the counseling conversation between a husband and a wife where you know the wife is kind of being railroaded by the husband the husband doesn't understand what it means to 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 sacrifice and to die mm. you know at the fundamental of our faith we have a groom dying for a bride yeah right and there's real power in that if we can grab a hold of those gospel truths 
and 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 live them out. You know, I think pastorally about the person who's struggling with anxiety, depression, the person who's uh, you know struggling with terrible um, you know image problems and and that sort of thing that maybe we haven't quite grabbed a hold of in all in you know every case the the truth of what it means to have an identity founded in Christ. Hmm. Um, I think about you know how this plays out just in our culture today and we're seeing so many people struggle mm-hmm. um, you know just deeply with how they look at themselves especially during corona time oh absolutely yeah. and you have all this time to to be introspective and you just kind of turn in on yourself mm-hmm. you know um, and almost become ingrown mm. and that's a, a terrible way of thinking about that a Ooh. very <laughs> kind of brings up some mental images, but that, that's exactly what is happening is we, mm. we become ingrown mentally. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, an example of that, um, we, we use personality tests sometimes to, mm. to help us in our training. Uh, Enneagram. Enneagram, those kinds of things. And one of the particular ones that we used uh, talked about this idea, if you have a low uh, self-image, the, the, the consequence or the, the way that you you know, resolve that is to think positive thoughts about yourself, mm-hmm. right, and enlist your accomplishments. So if you have a high, high esteem, too high, you need to think about others' accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And you think about how faulty that is, that their, their solution to the problem of esteem is to either talk better about yourself or compare yourself to other people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in Christ, what we have, in you know, in Him, in the image of Christ, He has shown us what it means to be human, mm. and we have a standard in Him that we can look to and say, that right there, in Christ, I can do, I can do that because He lives inside of me. This is the, the the standard of of what it means to be human, and so. You know, you you uh, you really get to a, a situation pastorally where you understand. I think I, I think we we all would would agree with this is that you know to have access to the resources of the gospel, you've got to accept the Lord, mm-hmm. believe and receive Him into your life, and that's kind of the the first part of that. Um, and then as you walk daily with Him, and you're conformed into the image of of Christ. You look back and say, "Man, how how do people do this? How do they live this life if they don't have Christ at the center of it?" And mm. it just makes me so thankful and grateful. But it also gives me a heart to to reach reach others for mm. for Christ. Yeah, and I think this kind of tying back into what what we kind of talked about a little bit at the beginning is that we have such a it's so cool that we have these narratives that talk about Jesus because. He is the blueprint, and mm. he's he's literally the the, the prototype of yeah. um, the image of God, and so we right. we can see what he did, and also he's if you know we've accepted him, we have this the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and mm. guides us, so we can look back, but also live in the present and look forward to Revelation tw- twenty one and twenty two. That's right, and s- the new heavens and new earth coming together. And seeing what Christ did, and mm. also what He will do. That's right. That's so good because you know you think about this idea of um, this upside down thing that we've been talking about, mm. and then it's exemplified through Christ's death. But He didn't stay dead. 
right? Facts. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so his resurrection is a pledge to, mm. to us mm. that the world is going to be turned right side up at some point. Yeah. You know that he is making all things new. That's exactly what Revelation says, isn't it? Is that everything is being made new and is being restored and returned. Yeah, and that's not just at the end of time. That's now. Right, right, because he said, didn't he, that the kingdom of God is now. It's coming, but it's also now. So you think about what is the kingdom of God. It's wherever the king's dominion is. So in your heart, in your heart, Mm -hmm. in my heart, the kingdom has come, and then we get an opportunity to, to share that with others and to whoever receives Christ, the kingdom comes to their heart, um, and then we're able to to kind of see that happening in our world as as well. But yeah, yeah, in in some like Christian circles, I've heard it said like not said, but kind of mourned over that we're not we're if the second coming doesn't happen in our lifetime, we're not going to see the kingdom brought to earth. Mm. And I just think that's so wrong because... Kind of wacky. We are the ones who are supposed to bring the kingdom of Christ to earth Mm. through Christ in us. And we're supposed to live in a way that, like, just permeates our world and our our society at large or even, like, our community group in RUF or BCM Mm -hmm. in a way that, like, takes the kingdom of heaven and draws it to earth. Right. Well, there certainly is something to say about Christ's second coming and that there, there will be um, kind of a, an amazing consummation of the kingdom of there. Of course, yeah. yeah. But, but the pledge of his resurrection 2,000 years ago begins something that is continuing, which is to yeah. say we have a, a massive responsibility in, in seeing the kingdom you know, in our world. Yeah, you know? the the second coming is not this thing that comes out of left field and is just like sure. out of the blue. It's the culmination of the church's work over right. mm-hmm. the time from the resurrection yeah. to... And I think something that's really cool and just just fascinating is that we in Christ we get this kind of pulling back of the curtain of mm. like... God's plan of what's happening because mm. the the whole idea of he him being the firstborn among the dead is like he's the first there's going to be others and yes. we, we kind of get this peek into um like even just what revelation means is like this kind of revealing of things that aren't are unseen and kind of this pulling back right. and seeing God's plan and that's that's really what I think a lot of times we think about Revelation as a whole, but Revelation 21 to 22 is something that is just in the future and mm-hmm, just yeah. something that is off in the distance and like, oh, Lord, come, Maranatha. Sure. Sure. And like, but there's a reality that just how that works is like we are getting a peek into what can become a thing through mm. Christ in us. Well, you're you're being you're being invited into the story, yeah. which is to say <laughs> the thing that he created us to do as image bearers of God, which is to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth, that in Christ has been restored to you. And now you're going forward and and <laughs> go ham, guys. Yeah. <laughs> be fruitful, multiply and uh, fill the earth, and, mm. and spiritually speaking, that's exactly what we get to do in Christ. Yeah, and I was I was just going to say, like, the Great Commission it just adds another layer to that, like, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with believers, yeah. and just add to the kingdom of God yeah. as much as you can. What? Mm. Incredible. Yeah. Um, we, could, we could spend hours talking about this. Yes. Yeah. 
We could ju- we could just have like a three hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how wise that would be. Yeah, but we might. Let's, lose. let's try to edit it down to <laughs> to an hour. Yeah. Um, I will say one one final thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe this makes the cut, and maybe it doesn't. I will say one final thing. Is that it's no coincidence that what you see in Revelation twenty one and twenty two is a garden, it's river, it's a tree, hmm. it's re- there's there's a point that's that's being made there, yeah. which is God wants to make His dwelling with man, and hmm. He's done everything He can to bring into right relationship all of us so that we can fellowship, we can have intimacy with Him. And ultimately, spend eternity with him, mm. and um, just like it was. That's right, in Genesis. The restoration of all things. Ugh. Mm. Well, that's the place to stop. There it is. <laughs> so, um, meditate on these things yes. mor- morning and evening. Um, so, thank you guys for listening to this series, and uh, mm. yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man, thanks. It's been an thanks, honor. Pop. It's been a priv- privilege, and I am proud of you two guys. Mm. Thank you. Sayonara. Go in peace. Yes. Okay, so...